everybody. Welcome back to the Brando and Joe podcast. Our guest today is Taylor Kennedy. She graduated from NYU with a master's degree in IO psychology uh, and is currently at IBM as a performance culture and evaluation specialist. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks for talking with us today. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're, we're really excited. We've talked about IBM, like Brandon and I separately, but we've never actually had someone from like IBM on the podcast. It's just like it's such a cool company. So like we're excited to hear your perspective today. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. I, uh, I always think it's interesting to talk to people about IBM because most people, at least around our age, don't really know what IBM does anymore. So it's always like a fun discussion. <laughs> Because um, everyone knows IBM, but they don't really know what IBM does. So it's like a household name. I feel like like the company name, but I guess like what they actually do. I applied to IBM. My uh, it was the first application I did for internships when I started applying to internships. I, I obviously didn't get it, but <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't put in the word for you back then. But <laughs> you actually started off as an intern at IBM, right? Yes. Yeah. So the summer between my first and second year of my master's, I was an intern. Um, yeah. At IBM and HR. And I'm guessing that kind of just turned into like a full-time offer. Yeah. They're really proactive in how they scoop people up. So they actually, um, they, they were advertising their internship in September of my first semester of IO program. I didn't even know, like I had barely started courses, didn't even know exactly what area I was interested in had pivoted from a different career. So they were sort of like, well, we know that we're going to want you next summer to intern. So here's your offer. And then when you intern, by the end of the summer, you also find out if you're going to have a return offer. So they were just on it in terms of recruiting, which was nice for me and, and, you know, not having to be concerned about like, where am I going to work after graduation, all this stuff. But I kind of only, it was like a tunnel vision IBM from the very beginning, kind of. So, but I, I was very lucky uh, that it, that I was recruited, I guess, from the beginning into the program. Yeah, we, uh, Joe and I actually got to hear you speak a little bit about that path um, when you were speaking at Career Day in Metro. Yeah, you guys <laughs> so. were there. That's awesome. That was such a fun day. I really enjoyed that experience. Hopefully they do more of those. Like that was, it was really good for a whole yeah, bunch of Yeah, I met a bunch of cool people too. Like all the people I was on the panel with, I have connected with on LinkedIn. I'm like, I want to be in your sphere of influence now. <laughs> and I want to ask you questions when I need help with things. <laughs> it, cre- it created a really good um, dialogue, I feel like for a lot of students. And I'd love to hear your take on that as someone who was on the panel, but we were students and we were sitting there and it kind of opened up the discussion to all of us of like the different careers we wanted to have and types of interesting things we could learn but as someone who's established and you're up there what was what was your take take away from that yeah I think I was the only person at that table who maybe or maybe me and one other person were not PhDs as well so that was very interesting um hearing how the people who had PhDs would go down sort of a really scientific sort of corporate path and then there's maybe one or two of us that had the master's and we sort of went in that more practical not that the other jobs weren't practical applications they were but they definitely went the more like selection i like really scientific research type of roles whereas i'm kind of more in a organizational cultural experience employee experience and engagement type of role but i think it was fascinating because for me too as a new you know professional in this industry is trying to 
I, I don't know what I'm going to do forever, right? Like I'm really excited and happy where I am in my current role, but I'm always interested to hear what other people are doing and what other jobs are possible, even as someone who already has a job, you know, it's like we all keep learning from each other and sharing our experiences. So I, I thought it was awesome. Like you said, it would be great to have more of those experiences with other IO professionals. I always say I need to get, I really should pay a membership to Metro and like actually be a part of that. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Do you go to the other like events as well? Or is that like one of your first Metro? That was my first and I haven't really done anything since then. I've been so busy um, with work and just getting established, but now I've kind of made it my personal professional mission to reconnect with some of the IO groups because I, I do want to stay connected and keep learning. I, I really want to go to PSYOP next year. So I'm, I need to get back into it. I've been really IBM and I'm like, okay, now I need to keep that like IBM and IO balance. Um, also, it's just a competitive advantage for me personally to stay up to date on what's going on in the IO world. So. Well, to, to your point before uh, about like working at IBM, but then still kind of figuring out like what would you like to do in the future? And there's so many different things you could do. Like, I feel like that's the best thing about IO is that you could go down like different avenues, even though like you may have started a different point. Um, was there a certain reason why you kind of got into this like HR route or is it you just interned, got the job and you're like, here I am. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, a little bit of serendipity. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't specifically seeking out only HR internships when I started applying that first semester of um, my master's. But something that was really, that really drew me to the like corporate and large scale HR space is how, how much you can specialize. So my initial impressions or experiences of HR from my old jobs were more generalist or even more benefits and compliance focused. So I really didn't know until I interned at IBM, like what was possible in HR. And it was just so much cooler and better and broader than I really ever knew. Um, and even now, like I'm specifically still in the performance space, but I always talk to my manager about my career aspirations and my interests. And we're always kind of looking around to see like, what could I do next? It's a very mobile culture. So there's so many specialties, subspecialties of HR at IBM. Like I could, you could, people have their whole careers there and have, you could be there for 20 years and have like 20 different jobs literally within HR. There's so many things you can do. So, um, yeah, I'm like, until I get bored of that, I don't really see a reason to go anywhere else. There's so many different things I can do within that space. Um, and just being in a company like IBM is a very unique experience. You brought up a good point there about an open dialogue with your manager about like the different interests you have. And we haven't really talked about this on this podcast, but I'd love to get your input. So like Taylor, when you're having those types of open dialogue discussions about what your interests are and how you can kind of build your career, we did talk a little bit on a previous episode about job crafting. Uh, would you say that that's kind of like along the same vein as that? Or is it almost just more like creating career aspirations and having those types of goal setting for yourself out there? Um. I mean, probably both. Like, I'm, I'm very lucky that so IBM has a, a IBM HR, but also just IBM has a very internal mobility culture. So people are always moving into new roles and we really encourage career and aspiration conversations. So it's not taboo to actually sit down and talk about other things you want to do. It doesn't, you know, make you look bad or whatever. You know, the best case is that your manager is really supportive and they say, you know, oh yeah, I could totally see you doing that, but maybe I can help you develop this one skill before you get there, or I can introduce you to this other person 
Um, so I, I literally since the day I started, basically, I've been having career conversations with my manager on a probably like a quarterly basis to just say, okay, I'm really satisfied and excited about this, these elements of my role. I would, I could do maybe less of these other elements of my role. Um, you know, here's what I am interested in. I'm, and, you know, I'm excited about, so even hit my like one year mark recently. And we were talking about kind of changing and sculpting my role a little bit. And, um, I still don't know what I'm going to do next, but she's always just so supportive and open to have the dialogue of what am I excited about? What do I, what am I good at? What are my skills at? What can I contribute? So I'm lucky that our culture like encourages and like sort of thrives on those conversations, but I still encourage anyone who's even, or that's not a cultural norm of a company. Like, I think that's really smart and just to, I mean, it just shows that you have like ambition and you have, you're assertive and you can articulate what you want. So um, I still encourage that, but I, I will say I've been working for a decade. So like, I probably wouldn't have been as confident and comfortable doing this in my early twenties as I am now. So definitely some of it comes with experience, I think, to confidently say, this is what I like and don't like about my job. <laughs> it sounds like they like really invest in their employees, which is really cool. And then yeah. I like, when I was looking at your LinkedIn, it seems like you had like a whole bunch of certifications from IBM as well. Yeah. Do they does like your manager say like, oh, like you like this aspect of your job, maybe try out the certification and then you'll kind of do more of that work. Is that how yeah. it happens? So well, we are evaluated and sort of assessed in terms of performance on um, not only like our goals and what we deliver in our jobs, but also our skills. It's a whole section. So they used to and currently still have this sort of like learning quota per person. So every every person at IBM across the world and every job should have at least 40 hours of learning in a year. Um, they might be changing that a little bit to focus more on like skill and role specific learning. So less about how many hours and like that quantity and more about quality. But regardless, that's just the, the expectation is that you're always learning and developing new skills. We have a big learning management system. We have a lot of free courses that are accessible to all of us. So yeah, we're, we're encouraged to learn take those like classes and gain extra skills and then apply them. Right. So not just collecting skills and badges for the sake of having it on your profile, but also like how you actually using those in your job. Um, so yeah, I've gotten to do some really interesting ones, some ones that are a bit out of my comfort zone, maybe around AI and uh, more of the technology space. I'm trying to understand like, what does IBM do as a business? Um, and then a lot of, a lot of DNI, a lot of like mental health focused ones, which I'm personally passionate about. So um, I've done a coaching one. I'm actually now like a coaching supervisor for a, like a peer coaching group. So, um, yeah, that's on top of everything else that you do for your actual job. They, they really encourage you to just keep learning and growing because they know um, skills, skills really are changing all the time and kind of have a, a shelf life. So you should just always be having like a growth mindset and learning and growing. That's embedded across all of IBM, even in that. And you got to like pick those too? Yeah, yeah. So we have like, so every, so our CHRO, Nickel, she will put forth sort of like suggested plans or suggested, you know, this is what we think all HR professionals should do. But even within those categories, there might be 10 options. You could pick what like you're most interested and engaged by. Um, and if you are have a lot of time on your hands, you could do them all. <laughs> I don't don't have time for all of them. I did a lot more when I first started. I think I've did more in the first six months than I have in the last like 
eight months, but that's kind of how it goes when you start a new job. So that kind of builds off the point that I wanted to know. Um, so like as somebody who's working for IBM, obviously we all know they're a very well-known company. Did you have to, using those learnings and then probably doing your own research, did you have to kind of gain some knowledge on the type of work that IBM does and yeah. all of that side of it, even though you're working on the HR side? Um, yeah, we, we have to learn about what IBM does on sort of a very general level in terms of what are our businesses and what, what do we bring to the market, but also how the different business units operate. Uh, because when we're designing a performance program, we actually run the global enterprise program, but sometimes there's just nuances of how the different units operate that make it, not that we would customize it all the way, but just to understand how they use things differently. So IBM Consulting is a massive part of our business. We have a huge IT services and consulting business, and they operate very differently and have different management structures than say like our, re our research division or our sales division. Um, so we've had to learn how do all these business units work? How do they, how do employees and their managers, like kind of what's those relationships like in each of those areas. Um, and then also just generally, what does IBM do? Uh, cause also people ask you that all the time, what does IBM do? Um, and most people don't know because it's a, it's mostly a business to business company. So we do a lot behind the scenes and that's why you think, you know, everyone knows Apple cause you have those products in your pocket, but you don't know that IBM is processing every bank transaction that you have. You don't know that IBM is processing all of your like flight confirmations and all that. Like there's all these sort of behind the scene things that, um, they're doing and then a lot of innovative research. But yeah, this was all really new to me. I had no no idea really what IBM did. Um, and, and it's even changed in the last year and a half since I started there. Um, and this summer, we rolled out this huge like AI platform for our clients. And they had uh, basically 60% of the company sign up to do this sort of it's not exactly a hackathon, but like a challenge essentially to test our product and even a bunch of people in HR, like we were all encouraged to sign up for it, even though we, you know, are not technical developers and we don't really speak the coding languages. So yeah, they are really passionate about everyone having base general knowledge about what IBM does um, so that we can serve like the IBMers who then serve our clients. Um, yeah. So it, we, yeah, long story short, we have had to learn a lot and I still don't know it all. I'm still learning literally all the time about what we do and how we do it. Um, but it's been really, really interesting. So, it's cool that IBM does that, though. I feel like it creates like a pretty good culture between all the employees, because yeah. like you get to meet people from different, uh, different like sections in the company. Where like maybe in some other companies, like you might just be in HR and you never get to talk to like a software engineer or like different yeah. parts of the company. Like, it, it's yeah. an interesting thing that IBM does. It's honestly essential. Like we couldn't design the things that we design without talking to people in all the units because they just have such different experiences in different kinds of jobs. Like we have 270,000 people in our company worldwide. So yeah, um, it, you know, and it really doesn't work if you just build something and just try to roll it out with no buy-in from any of your stakeholders. So we do a lot of interviews and, you know, surveys and trying to understand like how are our users actually consuming what we're trying to do within HR? Um, because otherwise it's just a waste of time, honestly, and a waste of, probably a lot of money that I couldn't even begin to calculate how much time we spend on all these projects. So it's a good segue into uh, like what you actually do in HR. Like what is a performance and specialist um, 
like what kind of leveling does that mean for you? What's like your day-to-day look like? Yeah, so my team is about seven people and we run the global performance programs for all of IBM. So we have a uh, tool that's called Checkpoint. It's an external vendor that owns it named WorkHuman. Uh, but we work with them really closely and we kind of influence the design to an extent. It's not our product, but we do work with them a lot to make it the best sort of platform for IBMers. And within that platform, everyone sets goals. Everyone uh, records like feedback. You can ask for or give feedback to anyone in IBM through this platform. You can, um, we have twice yearly reflections or performance assessments. We call them reflections. Um, uh, and that all goes through this platform. So it's like a hub for all things performance. So our job is to make sure, well, people are using it and using it at the right times. Um, involves a lot of communications and trainings and, you know, trying to get people to understand like why it's important to document your performance and reflect on it so you can have really good manager and employee discussions about performance, which ultimately feed into, you know, your career progression, your compensation, your promotions, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's like really base, but on any given day, it really depends. So like right now we're in the middle or at the end of our sort of mid-year reflection period. Um, so I'm sort of responsible for making sure everybody finishes it <laughs> and aggressively messaging a lot of managers through a lot of automated platforms to be like, you're behind on this. Like, please make sure your employee gets their feedback because it, it's, it has to be timely to be, to matter. Right. So like someone, if an employee spends you know, hours reflecting on their performance in July and they haven't heard back from their manager for two months. Like, is that message, even if it's a good message, is that message even useful? And if it's a bad message, then that's like even worse, right? So we're always trying to get, you know, employees and and IBMers or IBMers and managers to have really deep performance discussions and also continuously. So not just waiting to these two points in the year, but all year round. Like that's our, our sort of cultural transformation over the last few years. It used to be very, you know, annual focused, and now they're trying to get people to have more ongoing performance discussions. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I'm part of that like evaluation process. I get to collect a lot of feedback. I've done surveys, that kind of stuff. So that's probably where some of the IO things come in. Um, and, and really just having those like conversations with managers and employees and trying to understand their motivations and their pain points. Uh, we don't always get to designed to solve those things, but we can at least, you know, suggest and recommend and hope that the the powers that be above us uh, will take our suggestions. So it's been fascinating. Uh, It's also a lot more, I think, emotional than I realized. Like performance is actually such a emotional topic for people. Um, We notice it, especially when people, we have, you know, performance management, which typically a lot of the time mostly refers to people who are lower performing or struggling in performance. It, it really a lot has come out from that for me to just observe how how it feels when people are labeled in this way and um, trying to get managers to really use evidence to say this is the expectation this is where you didn't meet it how can I help you succeed um, so yeah we kind of we just oversee basically every performance program that IBM does for all the business units uh, yeah so it's just been fascinating and we're always having a lot of moral debates about things on our team. It's a very like candid and empathetic team. And we're always trying to just balance what the business and what the leaders need from us and what we believe the IBMers need. And sometimes we have to meet in the middle um, or we try to meet in the middle. Sometimes we don't always get to, but 
I would I wonder, Taylor, from your perspective and what you see on your end, that like creating a culture of like constant conversations about performance, yeah. would that make those difficult or challenging performance conversations maybe a little bit smoother to navigate? Yes. Like have you seen that yeah. like on your end too? That's the goal, right? Like you shouldn't it shouldn't be a surprise, at least in our point of view, it shouldn't be a surprise when you get to your, you know, either half year or end of year performance like reflection period that you're struggling. Like your manager should be telling you when it happens all the time. We have so many resources. We have, you know, things in the system you can use. We have tons of trainings, tons of resources, like so much manager training, an obscene amount of manager training. Um, And so, yeah, it's like if you have these conversations earlier and when things happen and in a direct and, and caring way, then it should, in theory, make it easier, you know, later on um, when you're documenting. But we're still not there yet in the sort of adapting to the continuous performance development. So it's all still very cyclical. People wait, they wait until this, you know, this period of time and then they do it. And people are like, why didn't you tell me this like two months ago when it happened? You know, so that's just not fostering exactly the culture of the relationships between managers and employees that we want. Um, On the manager side, I've done, I did get to do a manager project earlier this year. And I think I understand their point of view a bit more. So it's not as black and white as saying like, good managers do it this way and bad managers don't. Um, They have a lot on their plates. Like no one at IBM that's a manager is just a manager. They're managers and they're individual contributors and they have a very high bar on their contributions. So like a consulting manager has just as high of a billable, you know, utilization target as an individual contributor does. So they're trying to do their job plus, you know, supporting employees plus all the tasks, you know, managerial tasks, which are always just a pain, um, you know, and sometimes our teams are really big. So there are definitely situations where we can understand why it might not be working well for a manager and we're trying to help them, whether that's just automating more things or trying to do a lot more automating, more automated reminders, more data provisions. So saying, trying to be more proactive instead of being like, did you know that six months ago your employee like didn't do this? And, you know, trying to be like, a lot more proactive and getting them, getting them data that they need about their teams. But yeah, honestly, it'd be really hard to be a manager at IBM if I'm just being completely honest. Um, you hope that they would all do it well. I mean, my manager is fantastic. You know, she has a team of six, so she can handle it. But I think the bigger the team, unfortunately, the quality of those conversations starts to suffer. And, and the attention you can pay to these situations, like, you know, declines. So we're trying to help with that as much as we can. But it's a lot of other problems, yeah. <laughs> uh, could be tough. But it sounds like you do a really good job of, like, looking from all the different perspectives, like the manager, um, the contributor, and then from, like, your own perspective as, like, the specialist. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but I bet you get, like, a better, like, holistic view of like the the issue at whole, um, but it sounds like you do some really really cool and interesting work. Uh, I don't. I've, we've only had like a couple of people on here to talk about culture um, at like different companies. So to so hear about it at like such a large company at IBM that probably has a lot of work going into like a certain culture that that the company wants uh, is an interesting perspective to hear. Uh, so I want to leave you with one last question. Uh, if you could give one piece or a couple pieces of advice to prospective IO students or people that are currently in the program 
Um, what would that be? Um, so I think one thing that I always tell the students that I meet, either from my program or other other ones that I've met, is to like do a lot of informational interviews and talk to people in different types of jobs. Because I, like I said, I had no idea. I never thought that I wanted to like go into HR. It wasn't like a path I was pursuing. But um, again, once my eyes sort of opened to what was possible beyond just that generalist type of job or a compliance and benefits job, I mean, it, it, there's, like I said, so many endless possibilities. So just encouraging people to make the connections and just ask for 20, 30 minutes on people's calendars to talk about what they do. I think that can be so helpful to just be like, I had no idea that was even an option in a job. Um, I think we kind of get stuck, especially through our programs of like what of these like paths of, oh, I could be a people consultant or I could be a coach or this. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of ways to apply IO that are not always the ones that maybe come top of mind. So I, I would just encourage people to just talk to as many people in the field as possible and just get a breadth of experience before they pursue kind of one path. Um, let's help. I always have probably a lot of these advice points, but definitely that. Talk to a lot of people, learn about their jobs, exactly like this podcast. Um, just a little plug. Uh, <laughs> and um, I think too, yeah, just not getting so focused on like whether it's an IO job or not. I think that can also get people really stuck, like just searching for IO jobs. Like understand what you really like about the field. Like I think when I was in my courses, I would... I just reflected often on like, what was I the most excited to learn about? What was I doing extra reading about? Like, what, what was I seeking out on the side? Like, that's when I knew that a lot of the, you know, I probably could do many of the things in IO, but I was the most excited when it came to engagement, culture, experience, um, kind of like what's happening when people are already in the company versus that sort of selection and bringing people in. Like, that's super important and we work closely with them, but to me, I just was the most excited by the people that are there. How can I make their experience the best it can be? Um, so just paying attention to what you're interested in and kind of keeping an open mind for the types of jobs where you could apply your work. Um, I think that's been really helpful to me, honestly. I think that's really good advice. And on top of that, too, like it's almost calling back to what we were talking about with the performance conversations. Like when you're having these types of conversations on a regular basis, it makes you more familiar with the content and what you're looking for. So like talking to people who are in different careers can kind of open your eyes to different things that you might not know, like you said, Taylor. And on top of that, it'll also just kind of get your name out there and get you talking to people that could maybe help you out in a different way. Yeah, for sure. It's so much easier to like ask for help from someone when you have just asked them a bunch of questions about their job and their life, like in their passions, instead of just reaching out and being like, do you have any jobs open at your company? It's like, you've already done the work to just put your name out there and like show interest. I think that is authentic. Um, so just being authentic as well, like on a general, <laughs> in a general way, I think that can also just help you. Um, yeah, just keep an open mind too. Like I said, I never really thought this is where I would end up, but I'm really, really happy with it. It's a challenging space, but I feel like I've been in this company for like three years. I swear it's been a year. Like I just so, I've learned a lot. There's been so much work. Um, and I don't think I, this experience I would have had like anywhere else right out of my schooling. So I'm super happy with it and always happy to talk to people about if anyone has, you know, follow up questions or wants to 
think about you know working in a big global company. Um, there's definitely challenges, which I won't get into on this recorded call. But if anyone wants to talk <laughs> offline about what is the challenges of working at a big global company are, I'm happy to be very candid about that too. So well, it, it is great advice, and we'll make sure to put your LinkedIn in the bio so people could reach out. You're you're right. Working at like a global company versus one that might just be stationed in the U.S. There's definitely different kinds of things that you have to like take into uh, account. Um, but we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, it has been a great time talking about IBM. I know me and Brandon love talking about the company in general. Uh, so yeah, thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Keep a, keep an eye on IBM. They're they're a little bit, uh, I don't know, not underdog because they're a really old established company. But I think in terms of what the new things that we're doing with like AI and technology, it's like it's something to watch. It's very interesting. So keep that, you know, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> 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 okay. Thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Taylor. That was an awesome episode with Taylor. You know, I've always wanted to work at IBM and to get someone like her on this podcast is such a good grab. Um, and she had such an awesome job and perspective on work at IBM. I thought it was really cool to learn about. Yeah. I, one of my favorite parts of her advice uh, where that like you don't necessarily have to look for IO jobs with a master's in IO. Like the good thing about IO is that you can do so many different things and you can use the things that you learned in your classes and kind of like apply it to different fields and industries. So like I think I, I definitely want to highlight that part because uh, it, it really is true. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a few times on this podcast, but just the fact that you can apply IO principles to basically any work is something that's pretty valuable. So definitely like try to attempt that from time to time if you guys are trying to learn what career you want to use or what things you're interested in because you can do it. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, but thank you everybody for watching uh, and or listening and uh, we hope to catch you next week. See you guys next week. Bye.